Hey, it's Angel, your friendly neighborhood doula. I am so excited to have you here on the Birth Cafe podcast. Here, we'll talk about all things birth, pregnancy, and postpartum. As a certified doula, lactation counselor, and perinatal educator, I hope to provide you evidence-based information on interesting topics while also having fun and open conversations about the perinatal period. This podcast is for birth professionals and parents alike, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. So grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee, sit down, get comfy, and let's get started. Hi, welcome to the Birth Cafe podcast. This is Angel Coleman, your host and your friendly neighborhood doula. I'm really, really excited about this episode because one of the people that I really look up up to in the breastfeeding field, Dr. Jack Newman, I was able to score an interview with him and I'm so pumped about it. Now, before we really get into the interview, I have a story to tell. So we had originally scheduled to record the interview of Dr. Jack Newman's um, podcast and interview. We had originally scheduled it for June 26th and something came up. And so he asked us to reschedule for June 28th. So we rescheduled it. And that day on June 28th, Someone in my neighborhood actually crashed into an electrical pole and it knocked out the internet in my area for the entire day. (laughs) So if you can imagine, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I reschedule this interview again or do I just try to figure it out? And I was like, okay, we already rescheduled this. Let me just figure it out. Like I wanted this interview so bad. (laughs) So I can't actually record the videos that I do without being on my desktop because I use Google Meets to do the live and I record the lives and then I upload it um, after it records. And I can't do that on my phone. So I was trying to figure out a different way for me to be able to record it. So I'm like, okay, I think I can do a screen recorder on my phone and we'll do it that way. So I really did finagle it to make sure that I had everything right and that I could record it, just trying a a different things. And what ended up happening was (laughs) about 20 minutes of the interview was not recorded at least the audio part, like the visual video part was recorded, but the audio part was not. So there was about 20 minutes that wasn't recorded. So what we're going to do today is I am going to talk about Dr. Jack Newman um, and answer some of those questions that we had about Dr. Newman. And we're also going to read or I'm going to read to you an introduction into his new book, Why, What Breast, What Doctors Don't Know About Breastfeeding. So I'm going to read that 
interview for you guys so that you guys can enjoy it. And again, I'm going to read and talk about some of the things that we had talked about in the interview. So, getting right into it, let's talk about Dr. Newman. So, Dr. Jack Newman graduated from the University of Toronto Medical School in 1970. He interned at the Vancouver General Hospital. He did his training in pediatrics in Quebec City and then at the hospital for sick children in Toronto from 1977 to 1981. He became a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians of Canada in 1981, as well as a board certified um, by the American Academy of Pediatrics in 1981. He has worked as a physician in Central America, New Zealand, and as a pediatrician in South Africa. He founded the first hospital based in breastfeeding in Canada in 1984. He has been a consultant for UNICEF for the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative and evaluating the first candidate hospitals in Gabon, the Ivory Coast, and Canada. Dr. Newman was a staff pediatrician at the Hospital for Sick Children Emergency Department from 1983 to 1992, and was for a period of time the acting chief of the emergency services. However, once the breastfeeding clinic started functioning, it took more and more of his time, and he eventually worked full-time helping mothers and babies with breastfeeding. He founded the International Breastfeeding Center in Toronto, where he and his staff see over 2,500 mothers and babies a year. Dr. Newman has several publications on breastfeeding and in 2000 published, along with Teresa Pittman, a help guide for professionals and mothers on breastfeeding called Dr. Jack Newman's Guide to Breastfeeding. He also published the Ultimate Breastfeeding Book of Answers, as it is known in the U.S., and that book has been translated into French, Spanish, Indonesian, and Japanese. In 2006, Dr. Newman, along with Teresa Pittman, published The Latch and Other Keys to Breastfeeding Success. That book is now out of print, but it is available in French. He has also, along with Edith Kinnerman, developed the DVD as a teaching tool for health professionals and mothers. It is available in English and French. It is also subtitled in Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. Dr. Jack Newman's Guide to Breastfeeding has now been completely revised and available since June 2014. His website, www.ibconline.ca, has a lot of information on breastfeeding and, in particular, video clips that help mothers understand breastfeeding better. In 2013, Dr. Newman was awarded the Queen's Jubilee Medal for service. So, without further ado, let's get into what we talked about in the interview when we talked to him um, in the beginning and the audio that was cut out. So we're going to really get into some of the topics we discussed in that 20-minute audio. 
So I had mentioned that about 20 minutes of the audio was cut out during this interview. So I am going to go over some of the topics we covered during that first 20 minutes. Now, the book that he wrote is called What Doctors Don't Know About Breastfeeding. And one of the first things that we talked about was what he had learned in college about breastfeeding. And he told me a story of what his professor told him about breastfeeding. And just warning, I have a quick sense of humor, so I thought it was funny. You may not, but in whatever case, it really proves the point about what doctors learn about breastfeeding. So he told me that what he learned is that his professor stood up, told the class that breast milk is healthy, breast milk is natural for the baby, and it is the best for baby. And they also come in cute little containers. Yes, that was a real thing that was said, and that is what he learned about breastfeeding. Obviously, that was in the 1970s, and it probably wouldn't be said today. But the point is that there is not a lot of information out there given to healthcare professionals about breastfeeding. It really is a summary of the overall breastfeeding experience. Now, I work with mothers who are wanting to breastfeed and have challenges with breastfeeding. And they tell me stories that their pediatrician or their midwife, and I've even heard some doulas give out misleading information about breastfeeding. I am currently a breastfeeding mother. I breastfed all five of my kids. And even as a lactation counselor, when I go to the doctor and I let them know that I'm breastfeeding, I have been given misinformation myself. Okay. Now I know better. This is what I do for a living, but many moms, they don't have a lot of knowledge or experience with breastfeeding. So when they're given this information, they take it as truth, especially when they're hearing it from their pediatrician or their doctor or whoever their healthcare provider is. So this was just so fascinating to me to really hear And I really can go into a whole nother podcast episode, and I probably will, about the history of breastfeeding and the education of breastfeeding. And it really kind of goes back to the history of formula as to why a lot of pediatricians aren't knowledgeable about breastfeeding. Yes, if that shocked you, the formula companies have a huge, huge, huge hand and why there's so little information taught to health care professionals about breastfeeding. I digress. <laughs> Something else that he had talked about that is so very true among health professionals and supporting women in breastfeeding, he said this phrase and I thought it was very clever and also very true is that a lot of health professionals think, when in doubt, just stop breastfeeding. And that is so true. Any problem that is going on with baby or going on with mom, the solution 
for a lot of healthcare professionals is that we need to stop breastfeeding. Whether that's a medication, whether baby is sick, whether mom has mastitis, whether it's a mental health issue. Most providers who have no training in lactation will tell a mom to stop breastfeeding. And even some moms come to that conclusion. And I thought that was so, so, so important to say because it really, really is true. I see it all the time. I see it in the advice that's given from all kinds of health professionals. And I did in a podcast episode with Kathleen Kendall Tackett, who is a psychiatrist and also a board-certified lactation consultant. And what we really talked about really summed up to how the mental health profession also comes to that conclusion. When in doubt, just stop breastfeeding. And again, could go into a whole another episode about the mental health profession and how there is some lack of knowledge when supporting mothers because it really is kind of a specialty. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to stick to doctors and breastfeeding. Um, so to kind of really get into some of the things that were talked about, I really want to share his introduction in his new book. It came out in July. I have the book. I'm really excited to dive in further into this book. I also wanted to talk about some of the topics that are included in this book. So his book, What Doctors Don't Know About Breastfeeding, let's take a look about, let's talk about some of the topics that are included in here. So some of the things that he talks about in here is a history of infant feeding. And I really, really hope that I can get a historian who knows a lot about breastfeeding and we can talk with her about the history of breastfeeding. But if not, I can still do a podcast episode on that topic because it's super fascinating. But he's going to talk about the history of infant feeding, medical education and breastfeeding. Is formula the same as breast milk? The right to breastfeed. He also talks about the risk of breastfeeding. He'll talk about birth interventions, which in my childbirth class, I go into a whole lot about how birth actually affects breastfeeding. And this is very it's not a topic that is really talked about in the healthcare profession. And it's actually not really talked about very much in childbirth classes either. So I do go over those topics in my my childbirth class and in my breastfeeding class. We're going to talk about dehydration and weight loss, which in our interview, he really talked about weight loss when it comes to breastfeeding babies and how weight loss is one of those things that doctors completely freak out about. And honestly, they really shouldn't. <laughs> Which if you hear that and you're a health professional, you're probably like, oh my gosh, like, what is he telling these parents? But if you really actually know a lot about some of those birth interventions, that'll give you a clue as to why sometimes the weight loss is not really a good indicator of how well breast, 
how well breastfeeding is going. And not only that, in the interview, we really talked about how the scales are going to be different. The scales that are in the hospital versus the scales that are in the pediatrician's office, they're going to be different. So is that really an accurate way of telling whether or not baby is getting enough? Hmm. Some things to think about, right? Hypoglycemia, oh, we really did talk about this. Jaundice is another topic, and we discussed this as well in the interview. One of the things that he really talked about jaundice is how it's really not bad for babies. Again, if you're a health professional, you're probably like, what? <laughs> yes, so interesting, guys. This stuff is gold. He's also going to talk about latching and drinking at the breast. He does a lot of webinars on latching and drinking on the breast. Breast pain and infections and lumps. Uh, one of my favorite discussions that we talked about in the inter interview was about mastitis and how a lot of times mastitis actually goes untreated a lot of times. And one of the reasons why is because the bacteria it, that causes mastitis is staphylococcus. And a lot of doctors prescribe amoxicillin for that kind of bacteria, which is ineffective for that kind of bacteria. So a lot of moms get this and they take it and their mastitis goes away on their own. Even though the medication actually didn't really work, it wasn't really effective. So he really talked about how a lot of times mastitis can actually go away on its own. And it's also not prescribed the right medication a lot of the times, which is super, super fascinating. Oh, the mastitis topic is super interesting. He's also gonna talk about tongue ties and nipple shields um, and milk supply. So is baby getting enough, weight gain, late onset decreasing milk supply, which you guys are gonna hear about in the interview. He's gonna talk about medication that actually can increase breast milk, but this medication is actually illegal to use in the United States in regards to lactation. So it's an interesting topic to know. If you're a veterinarian and you're listening to this podcast, which, oh my gosh, I love you. I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was a kid. <laughs> You can prescribe this medication, but this is not a recommendation to actually prescribe it to anyone. But that was something that he talked about. We'll also talk about relactation, inducing lactation, and mother's health as well. One thing about mastitis that he really did go into was a lot of times providers will give a mom a medication and suggest that she stop breastfeeding and pump and dump until she's done with the medication, which is poor advice, often wrong. And most moms can take a variety of different medications while they're breastfeeding. And if they can't take that specific medication, there's always, and usually, I won't say always, but usually there's an alternative, alternative medication for that mom to take which we need to look into. So those are some of the topics that he really goes into. So I'm going to read this introduction that is in his book, and I hope you guys enjoy. 
And after this introduction, we're going to get into the interview. So sit tight. Physicians often lack even the most basic understanding of breastfeeding. This is true not only for general practitioners and pediatricians, but for health professionals and all medical specialties, including, bizarrely, specialists in pediatric nutrition. Indeed, one can confidently say that most physicians know so little about breastfeeding that they do not know what they do not know. This lack of understanding influences how they discuss breastfeeding with mothers, their families, their colleagues, and the media. When breastfeeding problems arise, they do not know how to help the families and are often quick to tell mothers to stop and bottle feed formula. Of course, this is not true of all physicians, but those who do know something about practical breastfeeding are a minority. And those who know enough to counsel mothers are a minority within a minority. Why do physicians know so little about something that seems essential to good care? Lack of training. Lack of training is one problem. Breastfeeding is just simply not a formal part of health professionals training, not during their undergraduate training, nor in their postgraduate training. Indeed, who is going to teach them? The previous generation of health professionals, they were also never taught about normal infant feeding and how to advise mothers on breastfeeding. Even doctors who know about breastfeeding may not have practical knowledge, such as how to help mothers to latch their babies on as well as possible. The single most important skill a helper can have, forget it. Formula and bottle feeding are the usual answers, even when breastfeeding problems are easily solvable. The quick resort to formula and bottles also reflects a mindset that formula is a good substitute and in some cases are even better than breastfeeding itself. Children fed only formula usually grow up to be healthy, intelligent, and good people, right? Of course. Yet, lack of breastfeeding increases health risks for both mothers and babies, and that part of the equation is rarely considered. Bottle feeding influences. The more insidious issue, in our view, is that formula feeding norms influence the very models of normal feeding. Take, for example, how often should a baby be fed? The bottle-fed, formula-fed baby receives a given amount of milk every three to four hours. The quantity of milk the baby drank is guaranteed, unless the baby is a habitual spitter-upper. You can see how much the baby drank. If the baby took 90 milliliters or three ounces of milk every three hours, say in accordance with the universally determined calculation, the baby needs to drink 150 cc's kilograms per day or two and a half ounces per pound per day. The baby should gain 30 grams per day, one ounce per day, for the first three or four months, and then 15 grams per day or 0.5 ounces per day thereafter until six months. After six months, even less weight gain per day is considered acceptable. By four months of age, in accordance with pediatric teaching, until a couple of decades ago, babies were started on solid foods. 
and the concern about how much milk they were drinking became less of an issue. If the baby gained weight according to these guidelines, then the baby was probably healthy and taking in enough food, including formula. The formula, based on the numbers, worked for most babies, but did not apply to the breastfed baby. Why this matters? Unfortunately, physicians' lack of knowledge means that many mothers stop breastfeeding early, often much earlier than they had planned. There are enormous implications for this. Mothers often grieve when breastfeeding fails, and they are more likely to become depressed. And there are also risks of not breastfeeding. Wow, that is so powerful. And that's just a few paragraphs into this book. And everything that's in this book, I wholeheartedly agree with. I definitely encourage you, if you are a health professional, to grab this book and read it. But even if you are just a mom listening to this podcast and you're still wondering what went wrong with breastfeeding or if the advice that was given to you by your birth professional was accurate, go ahead, take a look at this book. It's an easy read for really anyone. If you're a mom that really wants to know more about breastfeeding or you're currently pregnant and you want a book reading suggestion, there is a book called Breastfeeding Made Simple. Jack Newman actually wrote the excerpt in this book and I did an interview with uh, Kathleen Kendall Tackett about her, actually her new book (laughs) that just recently came out. So you guys, I'll link that episode in the description. All right. I hope you guys have been enjoying this so far. Let's get right into Jack Newman's interview and let me know your thoughts and rate and review the podcast if you enjoyed it. Like, what else would you suggest if if a nurse or an OBGYN or pediatrician is looking for resources to find out more about how they can support their patients? What are your recommendations? Well, we have a, uh, I mean, we have a website. Our clinic has a website, and it's uh, uh, ibconline.ca, yes. CA for Canada. Okay, so they can go there. And the uh, documents that I like the best are the ones that are called blogs. Okay, so uh, yeah, there's a whole list of blogs. Yes. And everything you wanted to know about breastfeeding is there. Yep. Uh, it talks about the how the effects, how the uh, uh, interventions during labor and birth may cause problems for breastfeeding. They talk about. Uh, uh, you know, how to know the baby's drinking milk from the breast, because that's important to know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ta- uh, the, the blogs are also on uh, uh, sore nipples, sore breasts, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. And, you know, people are welcome to use them. You're like, welcome to copy it. Mm-hmm. And as long as you give us credit for it, then, uh, you know, you can use them, you can look at them. So uh, that's probably the most important thing is that to make sure that uh, people know something about breastfeeding. And the most important thing, if you want one thing that is important to know about breastfeeding, and that is how to know the baby's actually drinking milk from the breast. And here's how, I don't know if I can, if you can see this very well, mm-hmm. but let's say that this is the baby's lower lip or the, or the chin, and this is the baby upper lip. When the baby's latched on, 
and they're actually drinking milk because the baby, you know, people say, oh, the baby's been on the breast for an hour. He's probably had enough or, you know, but uh, he's, I've had him on the breast for an hour and he's crying. So I'm going to try to show this. Um, so my, this is the baby's lower lip. This yep. is the baby's upper lip. But the baby is getting milk when you see this pause, pause, pause. So that pause in the baby's chin just said, I got a mouthful of milk. The longer the pause, the more milk the baby got. Mm -hmm. So I don't trust the scale. Even in our own clinic, we've made mistakes. Right. We had a baby gain a kilo, that's 2.2 pounds, in one week. Now, it's obviously not true. Somebody <laughs> made a mistake. Right. So they wrote down the wrong number. And if you think this doesn't happen in doctor's office, <laughs> you're, you're, you know, I have a bridge in uh, Brooklyn that you can, that I can sell you. It's, it's just <laughs> not true. And that's the last thing, you know, the scale should be the very last thing. We, we do weigh our babies yes. because we want to make sure that what we see corresponds to uh, what, the, what the scale says or that the scale corresponds to. But it's not that that we count on. And if it doesn't make sense, we just discount it. What we really count on is that pause in the chin. And the longer the pause, the more milk the baby got. Right. Yeah. So, you know, mothers are being told, you know, uh, feed just one breast at a feeding. This is another myth. Mm -hmm. What do you mean feed just one breast at a feeding? There, there are two of them there. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, offer both. Right? I mean, yes. uh, you know, to get the hind milk. But mm -hmm. if the baby's not drinking like this, pause, 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 the baby's not getting a high milk. It's not getting any milk. Mm -hmm. So... That is another technique we t teach is to you get your hand around the breast and as the baby sucks, compress. Mm -hmm. That works. It does. Just pushes more milk into the baby's mouth. And yep. that's why it's important to know it's the mother who transfers the milk, not the baby. Yes. That's awesome. It's so powerful um, to hear. And that's, that's a technique that I'm always using with my moms is the breast compressions and getting the the baby to or getting the mom to transfer that milk to the baby so right. yeah, absolutely <laughs> love that <laughs> um so you have this new book coming out and you said ebook comes out in a couple days um july 1st right i think <laughs> i'm not sure uh uh <coughs> it was supposed to be the last week in june uh, we made a few more changes in the text that we had to do okay and it should be out pretty soon okay awesome so we'll be on the lookout for that and for anyone who's watching or listening, when the recording comes out, I will put the links to his book and his website um, in the description below. Uh, but what are some of the topics that you are going to cover in your book? Well, first of all, what uh, the medical students learn in uh, medical school, uh, you know, uh, what doctors, uh, you know, the doctors base everything about the adequacy of breastfeeding on the scale mm -hmm. that they think that there are you know no no medications that the mother can take when they're uh, uh, when they're uh, breastfeeding and the, the fact of the matter is that most medications are safe now there are exceptions yes but often there are alternatives to those exceptions and I think doctors need to know that that, you know, you, you said, well, I always use this drug uh, when the mother has high blood pressure, and I think it's not okay. Well, chances are, actually, it is okay. Right. But if you really think it's not okay, there are options. How many drugs are there to treat high blood pressure? There, There's lists like this, yes. you know? 
So it doesn't have to be your favorite drug, you know. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, I mean, there are all sorts of things. The whole approach to jaundice is just unbelievable. Mm. Uh, in fact, we know that jaundice is good for you. Mm. Bilirubin is good for you. Mm -hmm. It's an antioxidant. It's an anti-infective agent. Now, there's a difference between the usual jaundice that babies get, even bottle-fed babies, formula-fed babies get, in the first two or three days. And, you know, there's no reason to treat it unless the baby is not feeding well. Mm. So you can get a higher level of bilirubin if the baby is not feeding well. Mm. So, that is important yes. because you need to know if the baby is feeding well or is this the normal jaundice at the age of three days right. that almost all babies do get mm -hmm. or is this not okay and the answer is not don't look at the scale because your hospital scale is different from your scale in your office so don't assume that the baby is not getting enough milk because you see a lower watch the baby at the breast is the yes. baby drinking or isn't the baby drinking mm -hmm. okay then there's another uh, sort of jaundice which we call breast milk jaundice and doctors think it's not a good thing in fact it is a good thing as long as the baby is exclusively breastfeeding as long as the baby is gaining weight well but we don't worry too much about the weights right right <laughs> as long as the baby's drinking well mm -hmm. breast milk jaundice is considered to be good mm. and we have some information there's a uh, there's a syndrome that's called uh, oh gosh uh, under pressure, I'm going to forget the name here, <laughs> Gilbert syndrome, Gilbertson. Okay. Uh, which people that have it are often jaundiced uh, into adult life. Wow. And what we know about them is that they have a much lower incidence of cardiac disease. Hmm. Breast milk is an anti, uh, an anti-infectant, an anti uh all sorts of things that yes. help to protect you so these people when they when they get sick for some reason they may not always be obviously jaundiced but when they get sick their bilirubin goes up right and they become obviously jaundiced mm. and i worked with a uh, doctor in uh, when i was doing my internship who had that and he always used to you know he used to make fun of us he's like well you guys have a much higher incidence of cardiac disease than I do because I have Gilbert syndrome. <laughs> and he was in his 30s, uh -huh. you know, and he would always get jaundice when he got sick. It wasn't too obvious when he wasn't sick, but it was obvious when he was. I don't know. I don't know where I went with this uh, this topic, but uh, the, yeah. what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like it was right on target. Just what are some of the topics that are included in your book? All right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the other, uh, an important other topic is uh, on uh, the uh, you know who transfers milk. There's uh, there's uh, we uh, we discuss uh, pre and post weights how they mm -hmm. don't really tell you anything. Mm -hmm. uh, that pumping doesn't tell you what the baby gets at the breast. Right. Uh, you know, a pump is not a baby's not a pump, and a pump is not uh, a baby. And so, all these ways of looking and seeing, oh, what's how much milk are you producing, is not really that useful. All it does is make people nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he one's dancing there. <laughs> okay. 
and uh, you know there are all sorts of issues. There's uh, we have a chapter on relactation, a chapter on mm-hmm. induced lactation. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, uh, you know uh, uh, we even have a uh, five or six topics on what lactation consultant uh, uh, what lactations can consultants uh, uh, believe that isn't true. One of them is, you know, pre and post weights, mm-hmm. uh, who transfers milk. Uh, and I think they, they bought into the Billy Rubin too. So mm-hmm. I can't remember. We had 10, but we cut it down to five because the other five were really doctors as well. So, okay. you know, we included them. Um, we have a chapter on illnesses that mothers, uh, might get and that they uh, don't have to stop breastfeeding for uh for example hepatitis i mean a mother who has hepatitis probably doesn't feel very good but so go to bed take the baby to bed with you and you know you think the baby you're going to give the baby uh hepatitis by the time you're yellow you already gave it to the baby so there's no point in stopping breastfeeding and there's a point in in continuing Mm -hmm. and that's true for a lot of infections that my mothers might get Mm-hmm. They've given it to the baby, and so okay, by breastfeeding, you're protecting that baby, and the baby is less likely to get sick. And, you know, with COVID, oh, people were always talking at the beginning, you know, you got you can't breastfeed. No, what we found out is that the babies are protected by breast milk yes. uh, when, the, when the mother gets COVID. You know, they just, it's always... When in doubt, stop breastfeeding. Yeah. Oh, until we find out, yeah. and, oh, sh- we should have told mothers to do it. The yes. same thing with vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Pregnant women who are vaccinated against uh, uh, COVID-19, they pass on the antibodies to their babies. Mm-hmm. And if they get uh, vaccinated once the baby is born, they pass on the uh, antibodies as well. So, you know, it's uh, these people that are saying, you know, they, when in doubt, stop breastfeeding. We should be saying, when in doubt, don't stop breastfeeding, yes. because it's hardly ever been true. Mm-hmm. Only, only was it true for uh, for HIV, really. Mm-hmm. And even then, we now have treatments for HIV that allow the mothers to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Treat the mother in, during the pregnancy with anti-HIV uh, drugs. When the baby is born, he goes on H- anti-HIV drugs, and you can just continue breastfeeding. Right. It's, a, it's been a, a real game changer with HIV. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. And so if you're a birth professional and you work with mothers, I am definitely 10 out of 10 recommending that you go get this book when it comes out because this is definitely information that, you know, really anyone could use uh, to find more information about some of the myths. It sounds like there's you're kind of debunking a lot of myths in breastfeeding and a lot of myths that happen in the healthcare system. Um, okay, and I'm going to ask you guys, Okay. Uh, those that will be listening, I know there's some, not a huge crowd listening, but there will be those that are listening, fight for uh, good maternity leave for mothers. Yes. You, you may yes. not even know. Yes. That just across Lake Erie from you, women get up to 18 months maternity leave, which is paid. Not very much, but it's paid. Right. So my daughter, when she gave birth, she kept, she did 18 months uh, with the baby, and now she's back at work. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, 
no maternity leave. This I think the United States is the only country in the world that doesn't have guaranteed maternity leave. Yeah, we, we have. There are places that do even better. Yes. Like, for example, I have a friend who's in Slovakia, you know, and they have three years maternity leave paid, and they have other rules, for example, that as long as a mother is, uh, as long as they have a child under the age of five in the household, the mother who may be a nurse, for example, does not have to do nights or weekends. Wow. Uh, so where's <laughs> I might have to go to Slo- Slovakia. That's amazing because all my kids, are, yep. I've got like three kids <laughs> under five. Wow. That, and that is something that is so huge in America right now. And with the formula shortages, and it's, I actually did a webinar with one of my good friends, Tamisha, and we kind of talked about the formula shortages that are happening here in the United States. And the United States is doing a great job at telling everyone, like, you know, we're going to get the formula out of out here. We're going to make sure that you're formula feeding. They've also done a great job at telling people that, you know, breastfeeding isn't all that is cracked up to be. I mean, I've seen crazy amounts of articles about how, you know, breastfeeding isn't that great it's expensive it's hard moms really can't do it things like that and i'm like why don't we wait put... wait, wait 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 a second breastfeeding is expensive i mean oh. it's not free it's but <laughs> but formula is way more expensive way more expensive. and don't people don't people take the lesson oh the factory is you know is contaminated yes and there's no more formula around mm-hmm. and they had to send an airplane to europe to pick it up yep Yep. You don't want to depend on formula. You don't want to depend on formula. And I I remember I made the statement. I'm like, if America put as much work as they did in promoting formula and making sure women got formula, they should put just as much work in making sure that moms have the support that they need, including maternity leave, to be able to breastfeed. And, you know, the doctors here they're not again like you said they're not trained in supporting moms to breastfeed and so there's a huge gap in the united states of moms breastfeeding and they we have great initiation rates we have terrible rates three months down the line four months down the line six months down the line a year down the line um and so there's just not a lot of support and a lot of those gaps do have to do with some of the maternity leave and the huge gaps within the healthcare system here in the United States. So, with that being said, if you are a birth professional or work with moms at all in any capacity, especially if you're working with moms that have infants, please get go get his book. It will change your world and your view on breastfeeding. <laughs> Everything that you've right. talked about is just golden. Okay, well that's great. Thanks. The uh, the uh, the book is going to be called uh, What Doctors Don't Know About Breastfeeding, but it's doctors are standing in there not only for other doctors but the entire healthcare profe- uh, profession. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you know, depending on formula, as you saw, and there are, there there have been dozens and dozens of recalls of formula, not necessarily just in the United States, mm-hmm. but here in Canada, uh, in Europe. Uh, 
everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, they make mistakes. So, oops, you know, oops <laughs> is, is a big problem when yes. it's the baby's only food. Yes, yes, absolutely. And again, I, I'm really going to go into depth about this in the future and future videos and podcasts about the marketing of formula here in the United States, which we actually do not follow the who code of uh, marketing. Oh, no, not at all. Well, we don't follow it either. But uh, <laughs> one more thing. Yeah. Let me uh, let me t- let me tell you something. Exclusively breastfed babies mm-hmm. who have blood in the stool. It's not because they're allergic to something in the mother's milk. Mm-hmm. We have uh, we've described a uh, a uh, an issue with breastfeeding mothers, which we call late onset decreasing milk supply. Mm-hmm. These are mothers that usually start off with a very good milk supply. Often you could say even an abundant milk supply, but for some reason the milk supply decreases. Now it doesn't become evident. For the first few weeks and even for the first couple of months but and that's because even though the milk supply has decreased they still have a lot mm-hmm. so you get so you start to get a baby often around six weeks of age starts to fuss a little bit at the breast not always happy at the breast uh, often it's saying oh well, it's just a bit of colic you know it's nothing well that's another thing exclusively breastfed babies who are gaining weight well do not get colic doesn't exist hmm. makes no sense mm-hmm. the whole colic issue is it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. why would they uh, you know why they describe it as at least three or four day nights uh, or evenings uh, a week well what happened to the other three or four uh, nights why are they fussy only three or four nights <laughs> right that starts around six weeks of age and goes until three months and then it stops well mm-hmm. what happened there mm-hmm makes no sense Mm -hmm. you know why babies cry if they're gaining weight well and they are beautiful happy babies who are gaining weight well why do babies cry because they're hungry yeah there's no other reason not fussy no 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 fussy is means hungry put them back to the breath uh when in doubt boob it out sucking his fingers hungry come on put them back to the breast yes you know this yeah. is it, you know. Well, I fed him. Uh, yeah, I fed him both sides, and he, he's sucking his fingers. Huh? Don't babies do that normally? I don't think so. I think I want more. Yes. Okay, so we have this late onset decreasing milk supply, and even when we see these mothers between six and six weeks and three months, the babies may be gaining weight, okay, but they are not happy babies. Mm-hmm. They will fuss. They will suck their fingers. They will cry. And some of them get blood in the bowel movements. And this is not due to allergy to something in the mother's milk. It's due to late onset decreasing milk supply. And I can't explain the blood, to tell you the truth. But when we fix the problem, the blood goes away. What you guys need is uh, domperidone. But I think this is a medication with boost milk supply. Uh, But the thing is, it's... uh, Doctors can't use it in the United States, mm-hmm. but veterinarians can use it. <laughs> wow. So if you know veterinarians <laughs> and you want to get some domperidone, that's probably a good way. The thing is, we know, you know, a million dollar racehorse is more valuable than our children, right? Mm, yeah. Wow. That's so, that, that, wow, you're just kind of opening my eyes to a lot of different things. Um, and 
I'm really just kind of blown away and I'm really excited to kind of go more in depth with your book and the topics that you're going to cover um, as well. So we are getting close to our hour mark, but I have my friend uh, Madison on and if you want to say hi, she is like my partner in crime. Uh, She's a breastfeeding advocate and counselor. Um, if you want to ask any questions, Madison, feel free. We can do some Hi. question and answer. Hi, Jack Newman. Hello. <laughs> we had, I actually had a breastfeeding support group when you started, so that was all the ruckus over here. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't notice the ruckus. I think your, your sound was turned off. <laughs> <laughs> and who are you? Can you say I'm Evergreen? Oh, really? Evergreen. That's nice. Yeah. We were so excited to have you on um, tonight, Angel. Thanks for coordinating this. Um, And Angel and I have been working with Dr. Niels Bergman. Oh, yeah. With Kangaroo Mother Care in the NICU. And um, I actually had a 28-weeker myself. And every... Thing I was googling when I was holding my baby skin to skin in the NICU and just trying to find something and someone to help me with breastfeeding and it was particularly your you have those one pagers and it was all about premature babies mm-hmm. and, oh, right. um, so I know we only have a few minutes but um, what are the things that are most helpful for moms with premature babies I know well. that's <laughs> yeah. Well, since you uh, since you've been in contact with Nils Bergman, you know. I mean, skin to skin contact as much as possible. Kangaroo mother care. Uh, you know, start offering the breast uh, young. I mean, I have a video of his uh, that shows a baby just born, 27 weeks, I think. I mean, it could be 28 weeks, and the baby is drinking from the breast. The idea. See, this is another issue. You see, we, who transfers milk? Well, mm-hmm. if it's the baby who pulls milk out of the breast, then it's hard. They're right. It's hard for the baby. But if it's the mother who transfers milk, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. And so that is extremely important to know. And I have videos of babies that are 28 weeks uh, breastfeeding. Uh, one of those videos, the, uh, the baby is being supplemented with a tube at the breast, you know, like a lactation aid. But lots of uh, videos of 28, 29 week gestation babies that are breastfeeding. And they're not, you know, like uh, two months old already. These are, they're, some of them are just a week or two old and they're breastfeeding. <laughs> and this is something that the uh, neonatologists don't believe is possible. Mm. But we have the videos that it is possible. <laughs> and uh, this, you know, I mean, I don't do neonatology anymore. I don't work in the neonatal unit. But I certainly did when I was in South Africa, and uh, uh, I know what uh, you know premature babies can do, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the neonatologists just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I you know there there may be exceptions. Niels Bergman is one of them, but no, you know, a lot of the Swedish uh, uh, lactation consultants and the special nurses they know what's going on there. And they can do it. They can get babies to breast, premature babies to breastfeed. But in a, in Canada, in uh, United States, I mean, it's almost a, a non-issue because they don't even bother trying. Right. 
Yeah. And that's some of the, that's actually what uh, me and Madison and our whole collective here in Cleveland, Ohio are really working towards is getting the baby, the premature babies, that's our ultimate goal, um, skin to skin and nursing at the breast. Um, so I'm pretty much being inspired by Niels Bergman's work. So that is our ultimate goal here. Um, and Jack, I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, so for any of the moms that are listening on here and they are kind of wondering like, okay, well, who should I go to to get the best support and help for breastfeeding? What would be your recommendations? Us. <laughs> well, we answer emails from all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, we've had, we used to, we used to get uh, mothers coming from the United States all the time to, to visit our clinic and to get help. And that stopped for a while because of the COVID, mm-hmm. but the border is open again. Uh, there are issues that are involved. Uh, uh, you know, uh, for example, you have, I'm trying to think now, I don't think you need a passport to come into Canada, right? We do. Yes. But you do need. But you do need a letter to say this is your baby, not somebody else's baby that you kidnapped. <laughs> Maybe we can take a road trip. Yeah, we should totally yeah. do that. Yeah, we're... sure. We get we we accept uh, visitors uh, to see what we're doing and. Uh, yes. Yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, we're gonna put yeah, that on our Yeah, you're not that plan. far away. I mean, after all. Yeah. <laughs> we have patients coming from farther away than Cleveland. Yeah. We get just today. We had a uh, uh, mother and baby that came from, uh, well, from Windsor, which is across the river from Detroit. That's farther than uh, Cleveland. Wow! Wow! That's awesome. That's really amazing. And um, yeah, so he's got a lot of great resources on his website regarding um, a lot of breastfeeding challenges. They're super informational. Um, for any of the moms that are out there, just like, okay, where can I get the best information? Unfortunately, again, there aren't a lot of pediatricians that are trained in, bre- in breastfeeding. Um, you're, Same it, here. Yeah. It's <laughs> different here than it is here. We're lucky enough to have... Um, and Ann Witt, which who I mentioned earlier earlier. She does yeah. a lot of research. I know that her. name, but I, yes. I don't know if I've ever met her. Yeah, she's great. She's really awesome. We're and Maya Bowman as well. Um so we've got some great powerhouses in the breastfeeding community here. Um but Jack, I just really hope that a lot of people can just get their hand on your book. Um and you know, it really it's is only gonna a few come dollars. you said what? <laughs> It's only a few dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, the, 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 I can't remember what they're going to sell the, uh, the ebook for, but I think it's $16. Uh, it's and ten, the, uh, it's not the ebook, but the, uh, uh, the, uh, oh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, the ebook. Yeah. Whereas and the, the one you can hold in your hand, I don't know, I think it was 30. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ebook so, is nine ninety nine for Kindle, Kindle e reader. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, again, sorry, last question, but what do you think it'll take for the colleges and um, to really start educating the doctors that come in about breastfeeding? What do you think it's going to take? Well, I hope that the, the book will make a difference. Uh, I don't think there's a, a book on breastfeeding that, you know, deals 
uh, with it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. And if people are serious, then uh, they might take it seriously. Uh, I think that's something. It's not only that. I mean, but the the, the, the most important people that can make things change are the uh, are the parents. Yes, absolutely, awesome. Well, thank you, Jack. It's been so amazing. You are hilarious. You had me cracking up this entire time. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even like when I emailed you and just the way that you like emailed me back, I'm like laughing because I'm like, he's very straight to the point, like very like, duh. Like, <laughs> so, okay, good to hear. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was so amazing having you here today um, and just kind of getting those little golden nuggets about um, breastfeeding and how it relates to doctors and other birth professionals. Um, and You've talked about that you are you have a website, so I'm going to put that in the description below. Is there anywhere else that we can find you in the World Wide Web? You can find me through that website. Okay, awesome. Yes. All right. Well, it's been great to have you. Okay. Um, it's and... been great to be had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would love to have you on in the future possibly um i'm going to be buying your book obviously um and yeah so if you don't have anything else if if you don't have any last words uh it's been great having Jeez, you that sounds ominous you said <laughs> last words yeah. <laughs> yeah do you have any any anything else to add the pediatrician did it oh. <laughs> Uh, no, no, that's fine. I, 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 I don't know. I've wandered all over the place, so I can't actually remember everything I said. <laughs> no, it's been awesome. Well, thank you, Jack. And I, I hope you know you have a great evening because it is 7 p.m. here. So I hope you have a really great evening, and you we'll too. talk in the future. Okay, great. All right. Okay, thank you very much. No Bye-bye. problem. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, but remember, our journey together is far from its conclusion. Ensure you tap that notification bell to stay in the loop about upcoming episodes. Don't forget the valuable resources waiting for you in the podcast description. Also, do you love this podcast? Show your love by leaving a stellar five-star review spreading the word across your social circles, or even becoming a listener supporter, contributing financially to sustain this podcast's existence. If a specific topic tickles your fancy or you aspire to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to submit your ideas via the link in the podcast description. And to all you incredible women who are expecting or planning to conceive, I'm well aware that fears around childbirth can be overwhelming. From concerns about hospital procedures to coping mechanisms during labor, I've got your back. What's even better is that you can now access your free guide on mastering five techniques to conquer the fear of birth. As a bonus, discover a collection of mindfulness tools curated to quell anxiety and fear during pregnancy and childbirth. The guide's link awaits you in the podcast description. Live long, loud, and in prosperity, dear members of the Rebel Birth Crew. Until we cross paths again, thrive unapologetically.